0: It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs from the Draft Network, and we are your hosts here on this Tuesday Takes on Takes edition of the show. It's fun because at the end of last week's Takes on Takes, we introduced the, the, the phrase tattle takes, and we've got several good ones to get in here today. As always, Kyle, welcome.
1: I was going to say, I feel like all we have is tattle takes. Yeah, we got I, like five. <laughs> I feel like people would really embrace... The concept of the tattle take. So this may need its own show at some point. Just tattle takes on takes and tattle takes. on. We, take I think we have tattletake.
0: five. Five of the 14 this week are tattle takes.
1: Cue the Philip Rivers let's go gif.
0: <laughs> all right. You want the first one?
1: Let's go. Give me one.
0: All right. Here we go. From Trevor Joseph at Stats by Trev. He says, when it's all said and done. Rennell Wren will become a top five interior defensive lineman of the 2019 class thanks to his ferocity and vehemency at the point of attack. Hashtag new vocabulary for Joe. Hashtag takes on takes.
1: You know what both those words mean? Do you know what both those words mean? Ferocity. The base word is ferocious, which means mean, right. And vehemency, which the base word is vehement, which means with Aggressive. emphasis. Aggressively. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah. It's, yeah.
0: All right. We so kn- I, I, We nailed
1: down the vocab today. It's great. Yeah, it feels good. I'll see if I can't wrap in a big word at some point before the end of the show. <laughs> uh, I like Rennell Wren, but top five in this year's class is a little aggressive just because Rennell does have such a long way to go as it relates to put it, weaponizing his skills, if that makes sense. He's got these, these long arms. He's got this powerful punch. But he belly bumps guys too much. And I think you think about the interior defensive line group this year with Quinn and Williams and Christian Wilkins and Jeffrey Simmons and if you're going to include Rayshon Gary in that group and if you're going to include Charles and Menehue in that group and Dexter Lawrence and Jerry Titley, you know what I mean? Like I just think it's it's a battle of attrition as far as narrowing and whittling to a top five, and I think Ren's going to be really good but I think top five is just a little too rich because there's just so much talent and he has a longer way to go than those guys do. Next tape comes from Michael Christopher. Do we get a lot of takes from Michael? I feel like we do. I I don't, uh, I don't know. I read the names. (laughs) Like I don't read the handles. I read the names and I feel like that's a name we see pretty often. Well, thank you. I
0: I don't know if that's true or not. but I don't
1: know if that's true. And if I if it's not, then, Michael, you can't be mad, dude. I just gave you a ton of credit for something you didn't do if it's not true. But we, we got this take, like, at the 11th hour, Joe. We're getting ready to record. This one came in quickly or right at the buzzer. When it's all said and done, Marquise Brown will go top 12 in this draft because speed kills and he is a Deshaun Jackson clone. Maybe Bills or Packers take him or a team trading back takes on takes.
0: I think if he didn't have the Liz Frank injury, I do think he'd be a top twelve pick. I, I would say that top that's 12. that's true.
1: You think top yeah. twelve then? Wow. Yeah,
0: I do. I do. Um, but he has a Liz Frank injury, and he's 166 pounds, and I think that's going to work against him in in a big way. Um, I do think there's a you know, speed does kill and guys like Tyree kill have certainly done well to open the door for a guy like Marquise Brown to be a, a top half of the first round pick. I just don't think with that injury, we're going to be able to comfortably say that he'd be a top 12 pick. Um, it, it, it specifically you mentioned the bills and Packers. I think the Packers would be more likely, um, because I think they can use that, that speed guy where the bills, I mean, between Robert Foster and John Brown, you feel like they kind of, have that skill set to a degree, um, so I, I don't know. I'm 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 going I'm to say pass on this in, in terms of him being a top 12 now, pick.
1: Joseph, real quick, if yeah. that were to have materialized, if he was not hurt, yeah, would you have believed in November when you and I went to Morgantown to watch Oklahoma West Virginia? Would you have believed me if I told you we would have seen three top 20 players on the on the field play that night?
0: Um. Was it, Ky- it? would be Kyler, Marquise Brown, and Cody Ford. Cody, Fo- Cody Ford.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, I, I probably would have believed you on Cody Ford, but not on Kyler or well, right. yeah, I mean, maybe Marquise Brown. If I told right. you three, you'd be yeah, like, yeah, I probably oh, would, would I'd say no. Take give me the under. I would say give me the under for sure. This one here comes from F. Banity. He says, this take shouldn't be so hot based on tape. DeAndre Baker and Miles Sanders are the most underrated players in the draft. Top 15 players. Also, Pop-Tarts are akin to eating cardboard with jam.
1: Okay. Um, most underrated players in the draft, DeAndre Baker and Miles Sanders. I like Miles Sanders. I think uh, here's an interesting kind of counter question for you, Joe. Do you think lack of tape is a problem for Miles Sanders? Like, do you think people would hold him in higher regard if he played more than just like one year's worth of starts? For me, not
0: at all. I I got an entire season of him as a starter getting heavy workload. So I I mean, I'm comfortable with Josh Jacobs as my RB1 with even less tape potentially.
1: Do you feel like the general perception could feel that way? Maybe, but I don't know why. I don't know why. I wouldn't understand why cuz they he's just kind of late to the game. I think it, it the the public perception of him it probably is a little skewed because he's a one-year starter, but he was behind Saquon Barkley, like, you know what I mean? So, I do think he's underrated. I I actually think they're both overrated, but I understand why there's apprehension with DeAndre Baker with um there's a lot of like whispers about DeAndre and work ethic and those sorts of things can really make you gun-shy on a player. And I don't think there's any question that DeAndre is super talented. He's my second-rated corner in this year's class. If you play him, he's not universal. I don't want him an off-man at all. He's either going to have to play uh, deep third or he's going to have to play preferably press main coverage. But if you play him in those situations, he can be really, really good. So I guess perhaps... Like, if you're trying to poke holes in these guys and you say, well, Sanders was only a one-year starter and Baker's not a universal player, he's, he's kind of scheme-dependent to a certain degree, I could see why you could craft and build criticisms around these players. Uh, but I also think top 15 is, is pretty rich. Uh, Baker, for me, I think I'm, I'm one of the highest guys I know on DeAndre Baker. I think I have him like 20, 19, on my big board, something like that. So he's close, but Sanders for me is a solid second-round pick. I don't necessarily think he's a top-15 player. Uh, no comment on Pop-Tarts. Sorry. <laughs> I don't want to open up another can of worms, you know? Joe, you have sure. the prestiged honor of handling Richard Torres's first take. All right. His first ever take. The Raiders are cash-poor, which is why they couldn't extend Mac or sign Bell. They will trade up to the number two pick, give up six twenty-four and a twenty-twenty-third for Nick Bosa, so they don't they don't have to give signing bonuses and fifth-year options to three players at the same time. Takes on takes. I like this take.
0: Yeah, this is good. This cash poor thing is so interesting when you, you mention the Raiders because like you hear that, but then they're paying John Gruden 10 mil a season. They just handed out big money to Antonio Brown and Trent Brown. I don't know. I don't know if there's any like how much truth is there to this cash poor thing with this with the Raiders. It doesn't seem to inhibit them in any way. Um, but I think there is some some merit to. I, I mean, it's kind of a good problem to have three players that you'd be considering fifth year options for. Like this is a situation they wanted. They wanted those three first round picks. Um, but you know if they feel like they've done enough with the other moves they've made this offseason that they can kind of package some things together and and move up, then I think that would make a lot of sense. But at the same time, why would the 49ers trade away
1: from Nick Bosa? I think that's what's hard for me to Well, there's, there's get, a, somebody started a rumor that they're, they're receptive to that yesterday.
0: Which is literally the day after, who was it? Was it uh, Daniel Jeremiah tweeted, remember everything you hear for the next two
1: weeks is a lie? Well, everything we've been hearing for the last two months is a lie. What difference does it make?
0: Well, I mean, so I don't know. I just feel like how if you're the 49ers, we've been talking about this being a dream come true that Arizona is going to go with Kyler Murray and Nick Bosa is going to fall right into their laps and then they're going to trade away from it.
1: Mel Kuyper and Todd McShay both allude to a 49ers trade back with Nick Bosa on the board.
0: That would be weird to me.
1: I'm just saying.
0: I think there's a Richard I think this is a good take I think that there's a lot of merit to it I'm surprised because of the reasons I said mostly from the 49ers perspective Um, but I I get what you're coming from and if this cash this cash poor thing is really a big deal here for the Raiders then yeah they probably do have to get creative a little bit with how they manage their expenditures over the next few years it's a very interesting proposition well I guess ask
1: yourself this right the Raiders the 49ers would trade back two spots for 24 and a third-round pick. And you know the Raiders aren't going to be taking... I guess they could take Nick Bosa. They, they I was, should. I was yeah. trying to lay out a plan where like, 49ers pick up an extra one and an extra three and potentially get the, say, the right player. But I feel like Bosa if the Raiders made that trade up, they'd probably go that route.
0: Here's the thing about the Raiders at four. If the, if the, the, uh, if San Francisco goes Bosa at two, and then the jets go, Josh Allen they're I mean, they could e- easily sit there and take Quinn and Williams, but they didn't solve their edge rusher problem. And they're kind of okay on the interior. Now that didn't stop me from, you know, going with Quinn into the jets yesterday. Cause in my world, Quinn and Williams is going to be one of the first two players picked in the draft every time for me and the way I evaluate these players, but the Raiders at four could be in a weird spot to me. You don't overthink it. You just draft Quinn and Williams,
1: right? Don't let, don't let good draft good players prevent you from drafting great players.
0: And I know you would be behind Brian Burns at that spot. And I, I probably would be too. I could, I would say, okay, Burns or Williams. And if you want to go with the edge rusher for, you know, need to me, there's not that big of a drop off in terms of caliber of prospect, but they they could be in a unique spot there, and if they don't like Burns, well, you know, the thing about Mayock is he does like lean r- edge rushers. He's literally compared every single lean rusher over the last f- five years to Jason Taylor, so he's not going to be shied off from that lack of you know mass. So
1: it's one of my it's one of my right. storylines I'm most looking forward to is May the Mayock manifest- the manifestation from media over to actual personnel. And if you can see parallels between the players that he's gravitated towards in years past versus their picks, or if we ultimately do feel he's a figurehead when it's all said and done, Ready for some tattle takes. Yes. Bring them to me.
0: I hope that you're familiar with Yash Neisman because that's what this one's about. Um, this comes from Corey. Corey Kinnan was referring to Yash Neisman. He was, he actually quote tweeted Kent Lee Platt's uh, RAS graph about Yash Neisman that shows that he has ridiculous size and athletic ability. And Corey Kinnan said, I've been on this guy since the combine. And then Dylan McKeege turned him in and said, isn't this guy absolute trash? Like Sean Oakman to a T referring to Virginia Tech offensive tackle Yash Neisman.
1: Okay. So I want to be nice because, um, Corey Kinnon, like, he's a good dude, right? So I'm familiar with him from Twitter. But I am not a fan of Yash Neishman. And uh, I watched him get beat like a drum in several games this past year. Joe, real quick, off the top of your head, do you remember two teams who had NFL prospects at pass rusher that Virginia Tech played in the first month of the season? Was that Virginia Tech... Okay, wait, what did you say now? Virginia Tech played two teams that had pass rushers in the first month of the season in the yeah. Year's Draft class. Who are they?
0: You're talking about O'Shane Zimenez. Right? And? Uh, Virginia Tech played... Uh, they opened up with like... Florida State Brian Burns yeah
1: so this guy put got put through the ringer pretty quick in the season and it did not go well for him I think technically he's a hot mess now the fact that he's a good athlete that's good and that that potentially could get him drafted because you know teams are just going to fall in love with athletic offensive linemen it happens every single year but he is such a mess as far as I think he plays soft I think his hands don't work particularly well. He's not very coordinated with his movements and keeping his hands and feet in course and framing blocks and showing good cadence as he's working off the line of scrimmage in his pass set. So he's got a long way to go. So the Sean Oakman of offensive tackles is a little harsh because at least Neishman's athletic. Oakman's not athletic, but he's bad. Let's see, another tattle take? Yeah, this comes from Steve Palazzolo, BFF Steve, good friend. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is the third best quarterback in the NFC North, turned in (laughs) by Enzo Attic.
0: So Mitch Trubisky, Kirk Cousins, Aaron Rodgers, and Nat Stafford. And Aaron Rodgers is somehow the third best in that group. I know it seems like PFF has had their moments with Aaron Rodgers where they haven't always graded him very well. I remember there was a game on like a Monday night or something in the last few years where Aaron Rodgers was like 24 of 25 for like 300-something yards and four touchdowns. And they graded him with like a below average grade, and they're like, well, Aaron Rodgers didn't make any throws that any other quarterback could make. I don't, yeah, I don't know. I think, I think Aaron Rogers, one of the best, three best quarterbacks on the planet, let alone somehow being the third best in that group. So.
1: Well, does this, Steve, does this come down to, you know, they're, they're grading based on what's coached as like your execution of a play. And Aaron gets off script a little bit too much. Like that was part of the whole reason why he undermined Mike McCarthy was like, he didn't like the calls, and he got off the script. So, like, I'm wondering if that that might not be a part of the reason why PFF, with their ideologies and the way that they they grade players, may have an impression like this. I don't want to say Steve speaks for all of PFF. I don't even know if Steve was serious, but if he was, <laughs> but if he was, I'm curious if that wasn't a, a, a component that factored into that.
0: I, I don't know. I, I don't know how you get to the conclusion that Aaron Rodgers is the third, unless he's just kidding around,
1: which I don't know the context. Maybe he is. I, right. it's. I'm that's not the, on board that's with him the being dangerous. Part about tattle takes is we don't know the context yeah. in a lot of these.
0: Yeah, yeah. So be careful. Be careful what you tweet out there. Uh, this one comes from Andrew. Um, he says we should crowd fund a campaign to figure out who the heck won the AAF hashtag takes on takes hashtag who won the alliance of american football. alliance of american F- yeah i'm not nope no, oh. <laughs> yeah, He tried to bait me there and i'm not falling for it andrew uh hashtag long hashtags all right uh go ahead what do you think here
1: uh we know who won the orlando apollos next question
0: that well the hot shots are going to tell you that they beat the orlando apollos well but the hot, shot hot shots were five and three and the the apollos are seven and one oh, okay so yeah that's it champs
1: steve spurrier champ again of course. Uh, I kind of want to give this one to you. Can I give this one to you? No, because I've answered this question already. Pat Stein uh-huh. says Daniel Jones is Ryan Tannehill
0: 2.0. Yeah, it's fact. Yeah, he is. <laughs> that's a good that's a good take. That's a good take. But can you win 10 you, can you win 10 games and go to the playoffs with with Daniel Jones because you can with Ryan Tannehill?
1: If the Giants replace Odell Beckham and they start Daniel Jones, yes, you can win 10 games. they will not win a playoff game with it. Daniel Jones here's there's my hot take. Daniel Jones will not win a playoff game in his, in his NFL career.
0: A lot of quarterbacks won't so that's it's I, probably true. All right. so now you this is good. now you have to deal with this from Walker Kelly, Turtleman. He put out <laughs> a slew of, of draft takes. Michael Fink reported him with hashtag takes on takes and hashtag tattle takes. All right, so rapid fire here, Kyle. Yeah, just, really? I'll,
1: I'll give one-word answers for all these to keep the line moving. All right, these
0: are from Walker Kelly, good friend of the pod. He says, Yanni Kajus better than Jonah Williams.
1: Uh, no, Yanni's good, but not better than Jonah. Justice Hill greater than Miles Sanders. No, Miles Sanders is my RB2. Justice Hill, I think, is RB5 or 6 for me. I have a third-round green on Justice Hill. Anthony Nelson is edge five. No. Amani
0: Oruarie, cornerback two. I could get on board with it. He's my cornerback three. Jerry Tillery over Jeffrey Simmons.
1: Uh, if you're factoring in health, sure.
0: This one's wild. This next one, Greg Dortch over Paris
1: Campbell. Fake news. Brett Ripon QB3. I could understand why if you're not enamored with some of the uh, ceilings of quarterbacks. I think Ripon's fairly safe. I think he's a potential low-end starter in a West Coast-style scheme. Uh, but ideally he's a career backup Malik Reed over Jaylon Ferguson. This ain't bad. Reed's a very different, very different build, very different play style. Uh, but I liked Malik Reed a lot. Uh, they're both late day three guys for me, but if you want a little bit more explosiveness, I could get on board with this. That's it. Okay. Um, Jay. That's all. <laughs> it's just Jay. Jay. <laughs> Draft guarantee. Still, this is a good, this is a good take. Steelers won't take Byron Murphy since he's a DB that is good at football. Hashtag takes on takes.
0: I I don't think the the Steelers are going to draft Byron Murphy, and the reason is because I don't know that he fits their size athleticism profile. Um, they should take him because he's the uh, probably the best corner in this class, and they have a pretty big need at cornerback. But I don't see the Steelers who pride themselves in you know size athleticism guys taking a cornerback that is in the f- look at the- these numbers are bad kyle i mean his height and weight 34th percentile 37 percentile Whoa. three percentile for wingspan Whoa. eight percentile
1: for arm length 26 percentile for hand size we were not supposed to turn this into a byron murphy slander session
0: it's not i'm just telling it's you not why like the
1: two- it
0: is this <laughs> 28th percentile for 40 39th percentile for broad like I I don't know man his best test was 36 and a half inches on the vertical jump I'm not concerned with those numbers he's the best corner in this class I feel like the Steelers will be concerned with those numbers and because of them they will not draft him with the 20th pick in the draft Byron Murphy's cornerback one in conclusion uh here we go uh peter dadswell welcome back he said ed oliver's best nfl comp is geno atkins and if both devins are gone and he's there at 11 the Bengals will draft him to pair
1: the two um yeah i could get on board with this i think cincinnati's in an awkward spot like do you want to go with a quarterback is does drew lock make it to 11 if he doesn't And both the linebackers are gone, which is a clear need for them. Ed would certainly be best player. I mean, feasibly should be best player available at this juncture in the draft. So I could get on board with this take, Pete. Sure. Uh, Salvatore. Iapolo. Will Greer is better than Dwayne Haskins, but neither of them has first-round talent. (laughs) Takes on takes.
0: I would take my chances with Dwayne Haskins as a prospect over Will Greer. So uh, that would make him a better prospect in my view. And I do agree. I wouldn't take either in the first round. Uh, Doug Farrar, this is wild. He says, and by the way, I like Dexter Lawrence more than I like Quinn and Williams turned in by Caleb Helms with the hashtag tattle takes and hashtag takes on takes.
1: Listen, you guys got to chill out with like our, colleagues in the industry (laughs) i like doug doug's a good guy i don't agree with doug's take here and um i guess i i've tried to get inside the thought process here of, of where you would start and build that foundation and i i would assume that 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 impression would come from feeling as though dexter lawrence has untapped potential as far as maybe he cuts a little bit of his extra weight, right? Like Dexter Lawrence is like 340 pounds, right? Mm -hmm. So if Dexter cuts some of that weight down, do you feel like he can get a little more dynamic? Not that he's not already super explosive because he is for his size. Um, Or do you feel like there's some uh, questions with Quinn and Williams? And I don't think that would be the case for Doug. So I think he's he's banking on what Dexter Lawrence could be if you kind of shifted around some of his – mass distribution and and he developed a little bit more as far as his his uh, pass rush prowess. But I'll take Quinnen because Quinnen just seems like his football IQ is off the charts. Like functional application of skills for Quinnen is is what just really kills it for me. And then for his size, he's super explosive.
0: We like Dexter Lawrence. Right. You and I both. I mean, higher. there's some people that just want to stay away from him. I'm not that person at all. I, I just... I think Quinnen's one of the special, like special defensive tackle prospects. Right.
1: Last take of the day from Spinksy. Seahawks (laughs) over under is eight and a half games for the 2019 season. Put the house on that. Uh, He doesn't tell us to take the over at the under though. I'm assuming assuming he's saying if the over under is eight and a half, take the over and put the house on.
0: That's what I would say. We we had had like a, a conversation in our group DM with TDN staff about some of those more eye popping unders that were put out recently. And yep. one of them, we all kind of agreed the Seahawks at eight and a half was kind of low. I mean, it, with Russ, with Pete Carroll, I mean, we, they, they're going to win games like, and especially because in that division, you know, they get a couple, you would think easy, easy wins over, over Arizona. You kind of start the season two and O oh with, with that situation. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I I would very, very much feel comfortable taking the over here on the Seahawks. I think they had the Dol- they had the
1: Dolphins at six wins. Uh, yeah, I believe so. Seems aggressive. I don't know. Somebody somebody in Miami media had an interesting point. Like Miami's home venue may fudge their efforts to like be totally terrible. They have consistently won like. A fair amount of games in Miami, just because of the home field advantage. Because you White. think it's just
0: because it's hot there. Yes. Like what is that? Yeah.
1: yeah. Okay. So teams get they they dehydrate, they get tired, they get sloppy. Like Miami wins ugly games in Miami. When the Bills, the Bills, Jets, and
0: Patriots from the Northeast
1: have to go friggin' to Miami in December. Right. It's or, a problem. Or you come down like the first or second week in September, oh, and yeah, it's hundred and five, and the it's a problem. Ninety no percent. Yeah. It's always a problem. Yeah.
0: Yeah. There's no, I mean, I get that. Yeah.
1: So I think that that has led to some inflated win totals for Miami over the course of the last couple seasons. Like look at this roster. I mean, yesterday we just read the two deep for the offensive and defensive lines. Like <laughs> granted, they lost Josh Sitton who played one half of one football game and they lost like Cam Wake and Robert Quinn, but like their lines are terrible. They can't dictate terms to anybody up front. Yeah.
0: That's concerning. they, won they had,
1: seven games.
0: They have the Bills at six as well, Kyle. The exact same win total they had in 20. Let's go. 20, come on. Let's go. The Bills, are the Bills are the same? The Bills are the same. Come on now.
1: Well, let's wrap this up before Joe gets too angry. Thanks for tuning in to Takes on Takes, guys. <laughs> Submit us your takes for next week with the hashtag Takes on Takes or the hashtag Tattle Takes if you're going to tell on somebody. Just uh, be kind right don't put too much too hard on blast unless it's an egregious taken which we will i passed over a couple i <laughs> passed over a couple when i put them through here
0: that i i was like i'm not getting into it that, yeah, that's not
1: gonna happen that's good we got joe them instead of me i think that's probably a favorite <laughs> thanks as always for tuning in draft dudes podcast we'll be back to we'll talk to you guys again tomorrow thank you for
0: listening to believe